Well, hey, everyone. How are we this morning? You're doing well. My name is Scott. I am one of the pastors here. And today, because of the NCLS, because we're going to be doing this survey at the end, I'm going to be preaching a shorter message for you guys. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's a fair call, though, really, to be honest. What we're doing is we're actually starting a new series, but it's not really a new series because we started this last year. This is actually part two of Genesis. So last year in 2021, we spent this time leading up to Easter teaching through Genesis chapters 1 to 11. These are the prehistories of the people of God. And these chapters are foundational for framing the character and nature of God and His purpose for the world and humanity. So last series, we looked at Genesis 1, we looked at the creation narrative. Then we looked at Genesis 2, where we looked at how God created men and women in His image. Then we looked at Genesis 3, about the fall, where sin came in and separated us from this loving God. And then we looked at Genesis 4, where sin actually has its outworking, where Cain murders Abel. And then we looked at Noah in Genesis 5, and then we finished in Genesis 11, looking at the Tower of Babel. So this series, we're going to pick back up in Genesis 12, and we're going to be focusing on the life and the stories of Abraham for this whole series. We see in Genesis 12, this narrative, it shifts from, from a people to a person, from all communities to one family, the family and lineage of Abraham. You see, Abraham became the patriarch of the Jewish faith, but also the Christian faith. So the question is, what can we learn from this narrative? What can we learn or glean from Abraham's life and his journey that he had with God? One of the primary things we learn from Abraham and his life is faith and obedience. You see, Abraham lived about 2,100 years before Jesus. So he existed before the time of established scripture, religious tradition, or even the, the normal revelation or the nature of the glory of God. You see, nothing was written down back then. It wasn't until Moses came along that he started writing down all these oral stories that would be shared from generation to generation about what God did. So none of that was around. His life wasn't marked by religious observance, but faithful obedience. Therefore, we're going to spend this, this series asking the question, what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to have faith? And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack the stories of Abraham that we might be people who live by faith as well. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your word is full of the truth, God, and it's full of the truth right back in Genesis. We see your character, your nature, your desire to rescue and save humanity all the way back there, God. So Lord, I pray that you would help me preach your word today, that I would preach it with grace and truth and love, that in the end, God, they wouldn't look to me, but they would only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, the text we're going to be looking at this morning is Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. It says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Go out from your country, from your people and your father's household, to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those that bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. 
and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreth at Shechem. And that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord there, who had appeared to him. You see, this series is called By Faith. Now, I remember when I first became a Christian many, many years ago, and one of the pastors at Rabina, New Life Rabina, where I got saved, um, name was Brendan Burgess. Now, I'm forever in his debt because he's such a loving man, and he discipled me in my early parts of my Christian faith. And I remember one day after I was baptized, he wanted to catch up with me. He wanted to have a coffee, and I didn't know what for. So on the way there, as I was driving, I was praying to God, and I'm like, God, you take this conversation wherever you want it to go. And wherever it goes, Lord, I will try and step out in faith and just be obedient to you. And so I catched up with Brendan, I caught up with the catched up, that's not even a word, caught up with Brendan. And so we're just getting to know each other. And in the end, he says to me, Scott, I think you'd be great on the Connect team. And I was like, oh, no. Like, because I'm an introvert, right? I don't want to be walking up to randoms that I don't know or welcoming people to church. I was like, this is the worst thing you could ask me to do. And I was about to say, no, mate, that's not for me. And that prayer came into my mind. And I was like, oh, God, you've got me. You got me. I prayed before coming to this meeting that whatever you took this, I would actually step out in faith and do it. So I went, okay, mate, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know what, doesn't matter. In a couple of weeks' time, he'll recognize I'm woeful at it and kick me off the team anyway. He'll just punt me. That didn't happen. Um, but what it made me realize is that God had actually a different plan for me. Even though I didn't know what this was going to be, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't think God was with me in it. God actually showed me he was. God actually showed me that he wanted to work in and through me, through a different set of skills, through spiritual gifts that he was going to bless me with. So I knew it wasn't me doing the work, it was God. And if I didn't obey the call of God and step out of my comfort zone, I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't be your pastor. There's no way that I would be preaching in front of all you people. And here's the thing, the entire Bible is about trust. It's a collection of stories from normal people stepping out in faith in an extraordinary God. And this is what Abraham does right here at the beginning of the story. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, from your people, from your father's household, to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. <clears throat> it's really interesting here. It says, The Lord said... Now, we know later on that the Lord appears to him, that he has visions later on down the track. Later on down the track, he actually receives some angels, even the angel of the Lord, and he has a meal with them before they go and look at Sodom and Gomorrah. And so this is, this is really quite interesting, the fact that it just says here, oh, the Lord spoke to him. So we don't know if it was an audible voice or if it was just a voice in his head. And it says to him, it calls him into trust. It calls him into faith. It says to him, I want you to go. And the way that he does that, he steps out in faith, in obedience. 
do we know that faith is always exercised through action? But here's the beautiful thing. There is a promise attached to it. There's this promise that if he steps out in faith, God will bless him. That he would be a blessing as well. Now imagine the faith that you would need to leave your own country, your family, leave all you know and just go to a random foreign land that you don't know actually where you're going, it's just go. Possibly off just this voice in your head, try and explain that to your wife or your husband. Oh, I just had this random voice in my head said, we got to leave. It's like, really? Did you? Who was talking to you? And it's not like when they were going, like now, if God says, I want you to go here, we Google search, right? We're like, oh, Indonesia, cool. Let me have a look at what that's like. I want to see what their place is or what it's like, what are the dangers. There's none of that here. He's simply just walking out into the unknown. God calls Abraham to go somewhere only on the promise that he'd make him great. He'd make him a great nation. This seems like scary and wild all at the same time. Like just taking off and hoping that God will guide you in another land, that's scary enough, but also wild in the fact that God says that Abraham will be a great nation. He'd be like a new tribe or a new group of people from his offspring. And Abraham is 75 years old. A whole nation of offspring, and he's, only, and he's 75, and his wife is barren, and she's 65. That's a pretty crazy promise from God. It's the kind of promise that if it happened, it actually had to be God, because Abraham has no control over that, right? Like, they're past the age of bearing kids. And I love that Abraham was 75 when God calls him. Because if you're sitting there today and think that God is done with you, that you've finished your calling by God on your life because you're too old, this would suggest you're wrong. I mean, Abraham was 80 years old when God called him in the burning bush to go into Egypt and bring the Israelites out. 80 he started his ministry. We are finished our calling and our purpose when we die. We're commissioned by God to be his agents of love and grace and mercy all the way to the end. If you're breathing, God is not done with you. So Abraham's 75 and he's leaving the comfort of his country, his lands, all that he knew to follow this call of God into a promise that was impossible for him and his wife at their age. Now that, to me, is faith in action. But what is faith? What's the definition of faith? What's the biblical meaning of faith? Well, the Oxford Dictionary says faith is trust in somebody's ability or knowledge. Trust that somebody or something will do what has been promised. I love this definition. It's saying faith is in somebody. It's being, having faith in somebody and somebody's ability and trusting that the promise that they have given you, that somebody has given you, is actually what they're going to fulfill. And this is what we see in the story of Abraham, right? God calls him to do something, gives him a promise, and Abraham's taking that and going, okay, this is faith in action. I'm actually going to step into it. Faith is confidence in somebody. Hebrews 11, 1 to 10 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. For by it, faith, the elders, obtained a good testimony. In Hebrews 11, it goes through the men and women of faith throughout the Old Testament. It says, they all stepped out in faith, not knowing what was going to happen, but they were trusting in somebody. And faith here is hope, right? It's not blind hope, it's evidence. It's the thing that we look to in God and we go, God, I am stepping out in faith because although I may not see it, I have hope and faith in you. 
You see, hope and faith, they both exist in the future, in the unknown future, but a future guaranteed by somebody, and that somebody is God. And faith ultimately is trust in the unseen promise, but it's also trust in the revelation of who God is that we find in the Bible. Have you ever had confidence in a person? Like there's someone in your life you just trust. It's like, you know what, if I went down, if anything happened, I know that person to be there for me. I just have confidence in them that that if I needed them and I found them, they'd be here at the drop of a hat to help me out. You ever had someone like that in your life? You ever had confidence in a thing? Like, say, your car. You've got a brand new car. You're driving to Sydney. You're like, I've got confidence this thing's going to make it. I've had plenty of cars that I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get five minutes down the road, if I'm even going to get to Sydney. I'm hoping I do, but I never know. So sometimes we have confidence in a thing, right? It's like a chair, for instance. This is how we explain faith. When I look at a chair, I assess the chair. It's not blind faith. I just don't sit on it. I look at it and I go, it's got three legs. It's all rusty. That's probably not going to hold me up. So I'm not going to sit in it. But then I look at another chair and I go, wow, this chair looks sturdy. It looks new. It's going to hold my weight. So what do we do? How do we exercise faith? I sit in it. Right? I have to sit in it to exercise faith, to have true faith. And then it bears up my weight. Timothy Keller says, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. Faith, however small in a strong branch, is enough. And today we base our faith on the story of God through His Word, through the Bible, through the Gospel, through the good news of Jesus Christ, through the New Testament. This is our strong branch. No matter how small our faith is, we stand on that strong branch. So Abraham had confidence, hope through the evidence of God speaking to him that God was true and real. Therefore, Abraham made a decision to obey God in faith. We see faith is exercised in obedience to somebody and something. You can't say you have faith in the chair and then refuse to sit in it. Oh, no, I'm not going to sit in it. It's like, do you really have faith in that chair? Hebrews 11 says... Hebrews 11 actually talks about these men and women of faith, and it talks about this act that Abraham did. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs to him of the same promise. This tells us here that faith is obedience. Faith is not fully knowing where you're going. Faith is a future promised by God. And faith then ultimately is in God, right? It's in God's character and his nature. The entire Bible is about trust. It's a collection of stories of normal people like you and I stepping out in faith in an extraordinary God. It's story after story of the faithfulness of God. And therefore the Bible shows us, testifies that We can have faith in him because he is trustworthy. Hebrews 11 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he exists, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, Abraham believed that God existed, and so therefore he obeyed in faith, even though he didn't see the promise for years. Spoiler alert, we're going to get there later in the series, but he was 100 years old when he had Isaac. Think about that. 
Sarah, I was 90. Like, when I was 99, I'd be like, this ain't happening. Like, he gave the promise to him at 75. It's like 25 years later, I'd be thinking, all right, clearly this is not happening. But no, God came through. We're the same. We're actually called out of darkness into his light. We're called out of the world into Jesus' world. We're called out of sin and the comfort and the selfishness. We're called into a promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit will empower us. We're called into a different kind of kingdom. We're called into the kingdom of God, but it's not fully realized yet. We seek this fulfillment just like Abraham. So by faith, we live in obedience. Obedience to God, trusting ourselves to him. Knowing he is the firm foundation and he will guide us. It's interesting, Corrie ten Boom says, faith is like a radar that sees through the fog. Now, Corrie ten Boom, she was a prisoner in the Second World War. She was in a Jewish prison camp, and her sister and her father died in there. Could you imagine the faith you would have to have to see through the fog of war, to see through death and destruction and still hold on to it? But she knew there was a strong branch she could hold on to. And you might say to me, Scott, I've never heard God. God's not spoken to me. Yes, he has. He's spoken to us through the gospel, declaring his unfailing love through the cross. He's spoken to us through his word, the Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is the primary way that God speaks to us. It's the primary way. If you want to hear God's voice, open the Bible. Read your word. He will speak to you through his word. The Bible is God's word calling us first into faith in Jesus and his faithfulness. And then it's his call to us to follow him. To step out in faith, to trust a trustworthy God, even when we don't know where that's going to take us. Just like Abraham. Germany Kent says, Let your life reflect the faith you have in God. Fear nothing. Pray about everything. Be strong. Trust God's word. And trust the process. Does your life reflect the faith you profess? Is the way you live no different to the world around you? Do you live by faith in obedience to Jesus? 2 Corinthians 6 says, For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is God's word speaking to each and every one of us. This is the call of God's people to come out, to leave the comfort of the worldly ways and follow God into the promise. Jesus is calling all of his disciples to follow him into the unknown. He's calling us to righteousness. But again, there's a promise, right? He says, come out, be separate. But he says a promise. He says, I will dwell in you and I will walk among you. This is a promise that will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be in us and amongst us as we walk this out. And he says, you will be my sons and daughters. And I will be your God. This is a sure promise from our Heavenly Father. What better way to live other than to be sons and daughters of God, where God the Father is guiding us and protecting us 
and with us. Is your faith in God or is your faith in yourself? You know, lots of people have faith in themselves, right? It's like God's okay with my lifestyle. I don't need him. I can continue in sin. Or I can do this. I don't need God's help. I'm the author of my destiny. Everything that I have built here, this is all on my power. I don't need God for that. Or I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus' forgiveness. Do you really trust yourself deep down in your heart? Do you really have faith in yourself? Let me ask this question. How many times have you not kept a promise to yourself? How many times have you said, I won't do that again, but you do? How many times do you say, I'll get fit, but you don't? How many times do you say, I will kick that bad habit, but you just can't help it? How many times do you say, I will be a better person? You promise yourself that, but you keep getting stuck in the same sin. We make these promises to ourselves. We can't even keep them to ourselves. We can't even be faithful to ourselves. Therefore, faith in ourselves is futile, and we actually know it. We know that there is a problem of sin. This is the whole reason why Jesus came to rescue us, to rescue us from this sin. From the moment we were born, we were born into sin. What happened in Genesis when we ate of the tree separated us from God and sin entered the world. And Jesus looks at us and he goes, I'm going to come. I love you so much that I'm going to come and rescue you out of this sin. You cannot save yourself. You can't even keep a promise to yourself, but I'm going to come and I'm going to absorb the sin for you and for me and the entire world. And when I take it to the cross, I'm going to bury it in the grave. And when I raise again, it's going to be victory, a proof of victory over sin and death that God the Father has accepted that sacrifice for all who believe. Jesus Christ came to rescue us from this problem. Does a band want to come up? You know what the thing is? I don't have faith in myself. I don't. But I have faith in my God. I'm the weak branch. He's the strong one. I have faith in the perfect example of love displayed on the cross. And that love is Jesus. You see, faith in Jesus is faith in the truth. And truth will never fail. You know, God is the only thing in this whole world and cosmos that is trustworthy. He never has and he never will break a promise. The Bible is the story of a faithful God to an unfaithful world. And God promises anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus will have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And not only that, he promises us the Holy Spirit that he will come and live in us and empower us. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For who comes to God must believe that he exists and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We must have faith in God, in Jesus. We must believe that he exists. And our reward for that faith, our diligent reward that God gives us, is forgiveness of sins. It's eternal life now, but it's also life to the full. God is the object of our faith. And by by faith, Abraham obeyed and left his country. May we be a church who by faith obey God. And I can guarantee you, if we put our faith not in ourselves, but in our faithful God, He will do far beyond what we could ever imagine or dream in and through us for His glory. Like Abraham, will you step out in faith 
and follow Jesus today. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we come before you. I come before you, God. I've not always stepped out in faith and followed you. But God, you are faithful. You are good. You are holy. You are righteous. You are just. Lord, would you forgive me and and forgive us for those times we've not stepped out in faith, stepped out in your goodness, stepped out in your faithfulness, where we've let fear and anxiety creep in to cloud our vision of who you are. Lord, forgive us of that. But Lord, empower us by your spirit to see you clearly, to see through the fog, to see that you are the strong branch. In this moment of prayer, you might be sitting here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never put your trust in him and and you're coming to this realization that, yeah, there is this problem of sin. And Jesus is standing here with his hand out saying, come, come to me, trust in me. I've done everything needed to deal with that sin problem. I want relationship with you. I want to restore you. I want to redeem you. I want to lift you up. You can simply just pray in your heart. Just pray this prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you that he died on the cross and took my sin, this problem of sin that is in me. I thank you, God, that through his resurrection that I may have life and life to the full. Father, forgive me of my sin and bless me with your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray if anyone prayed that in this room, that your Holy Spirit would just fill them right now. That they would sense and know your presence. And God, for us that are your disciples, that are followers of Jesus, there are moments, God, where, where you've spoken to us, whether audibly, whether through a vision, whether through a word or a still small voice in our head through your Bible, Lord, and we've not followed that. God, would you convict our hearts right now where we've not stepped out in faith? Bring back to remembrance, God, those times where you have spoken to us. And Lord, we recommit ourselves to trusting you, to stepping out in faith as Abraham did, into the unknown, but not into the unknown of blind faith, but into the arms of a loving Father who is trustworthy, who is faithful, and who is good. God, empower us to be your hands and feet in the world for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.